And welcome to Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima, Japan, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Marian Hara in Tokyo, I believe, today, right, Marian? That's right. I'm、uh, in the middle of Tokyo. Nice to see you, and I hope that. Um, a lot of people will be joining us because I think what we're going to talk about is really important. It is very important. Now, Marian, you have a very unique position as one of my guests.、Uh, usually, all the guests are, are focused in some way on sustainability,、mm-hmm. but very few are focused on human rights and environmental rights and activism. And I think that is so important for sustainability to have. Something to pass to future generations. We really have to think of the people and the planet part of the equation, right? Absolutely. Well, human rights and environment, those two things have been a big thing in my life.、Um, I used to teach in high school, and it was a global studies course. And somehow over the years, this became a, a clear focus. And then I got involved with Amnesty International, and I still am, and continued with the environmental interests. So when this issue came up,、um, you know, it was a no brainer. This is something really important for me. I mean, for all of us. It's more than just one place, although that's what we're talking about today, but it's much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we start with. Uh, the Jingu Gaian campaign.、Um, now, I had the pleasure of talking with the amazing Rochelle Kopp、oh, on、right. the program.、Yes. And she introduced the campaign.、Um, but for people who may not have watched that one, can you give us an overview? What is the campaign about? Well,、um, there has been a project in the making which came from、uh, some big.、Um, Property developers,、uh, Mitsui Fudosan, and others, who,、um, and in fact, I think this goes back with some politicians, and there may be a very clear link with all of the development around the、um, Olympics because it's in very much the same area as the Olympic Stadium. And so, yeah, there you go. Those are the, the trees. And、uh, they have developed this idea that they think this area needs to be redeveloped.、Um, when the idea first came up, they didn't have、uh, immediately, they didn't start consultations with people in the area.、And、that was a huge mistake. And in fact, a lot of it was very secretive, as these things often are. So,、uh, once people started hearing about the idea, they were not very happy for many reasons. And,、uh, well, first and foremost, that these absolutely valuable and very old trees should be under threat. And there they are. I mean, they're the most gorgeous trees. And one part that's under threat, they're not planning to cut down this very iconic avenue. But down the side of Shake Shack, can you see there? When you go in off Shake Shack, there are 16、um, uh, uh, ginkgo trees down there, and they have all to go. This is the road that leads down to the rugby stadium, which they want to switch over with um, the um, baseball stadium for some reason. 
instead of renovating them as they are. And their plan originally uh, in, involved cutting 1,000 trees. Then there was a lot of protest about that. And so they brought it down. I think it stands at somewhere over 600 at the moment. But <laughs> cutting down trees at this time when we're fighting so hard against global warming, it, it's just crazy. So yeah. of course, people one, got one of the things one of the things Rochelle pointed out too was the plans. Like like many of these plans were for redeveloping parks. It's happening all over Japan. Yes. Uh, we lost our central park in Hiroshima, which nobody thought that they would ever destroy because it was a gift as part of the peace branding of the city after the bomb. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to yeah. make these great green spaces for the people of Hiroshima and visitors to enjoy and recover and and to commune and get together. And that that's really connected with um, this project as well is the public spaces changing to private spaces as well as the the trees and the green spaces, right? Exactly. And it's not also there's another one in Nagoya and there are many plans. I think there's some incredible number, like 800 plans all over Japan in different places. Um, they call it um, private in initiatives, um, private finance initiatives. And um, yeah, well, it's it's really handing over our our shared the, these commons that we should all be sharing and um it needs to be addressed yeah and you know uh, we have, we have melody Cook joining us on facebook great to see you melody uh she oh, says melody, kyoto huh? kyoto is famous for getting rid of beautiful old things as well i think i mean that's that's the thing that i think mary and you guys are trying to do is is just to keep these ideas and keep this information in the public eyesight that people don't forget that mm. these things are happening that these things are valuable uh mm. let's let's not destroy them I was just at a, a A-bombed building. Uh, there used to be more around the old Hiroshima University campus. And it is just powerful to walk around those buildings that survived the right. nuclear blast 77 years ago. And we need to preserve them for peace tourism, for peace education, for the good of all of our future, right? And um, there is a pr um, they're trying to destroy them now. They're trying they're to really there. That one may be preserved. I was at uh, a bombed warehouses yesterday, and luckily those will be preserved. Um, but mm -hmm. it's not just the in the peace park, the a bombed dome. We have these amazing buildings which really tell a story when you right. visit them, they're so powerful. Mm -hmm. And just seeing a photograph of it or same seeing a photograph of a tree is not not the same you have to preserve these things very important and it's important to go and walk around so once i heard about this and and got sort of connected up with the group we had a walk around the area and uh, that's pretty shocking to think so many trees could go in this lovely area which okay maybe it needs a little bit of tidying up and the stadiums could do with some minor uh, renovations, but the wholesale um, destruction of them, it's just profiteering, it really is. 
Sadly. Now, one of the th interesting things you've done, Marion, is you did a survey with visitors. And yes. this has so much visitor appeal. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to create sustainable tourism, which is attractive and in enticing for visitors to go and see beautiful nature in Japan, this is a great asset for visitors, right? Absolutely. That's why we did it. When we were discussing, there was a big online meeting with people putting in ideas of what we could do with the media, with the politicians, and me being non-Japanese said, well, how about the foreign tourists? They're just coming back. There you go. And, um, you know, people were very willing to add their voices. And some of them made wonderful comments. The last one there, don't make the same mistakes as America. Um, and there was one lovely one from Mexico that don't destroy the things that your ancestors made with so much hope. Um, you know, people were really thinking about it and uh, say, keep the trees. It's a pretty simple message. Yeah, um, it's, it's really, it does drive it home. People from all different countries yeah. are visiting Japan and everybody appreciates it. I, I love the the comments from people in Hong Kong. Uh, mm. We love these trees. Don't cut it, please. Uh, please yeah. save the trees. This is a beautiful place. And for foreigners, this place is so beautiful. But isn't it? I mean, I think one of the things I heard you talking about, and maybe Rochelle as well, is people just take it for granted that it will be protected, that the trees won't be destroyed. Mm. Um, but I think that trust is often broken when you just assume that things will be taken care of or the, the public uh, will yes. be, you know. Yes, absolutely. There was a wonderful quote um, that Rochelle produced saying from, oh, somebody very famous, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Yeah. And that's, you know, if we want to make sure that um, things that are our shared heritage, I count myself on that, I've been lived here 48 years, then we have to, you know, get up and, and walk the walk and as we talk the talk and make sure that we do what we can. Yeah, And uh, Yeah, the, the, the big thing for me was the foreign tourists, all of them very quickly understood the importance of the trees. And I find it really hard to understand why Tokyo Metropolitan Government, which has a zero carbon, very ambitious zero carbon target, is doing so much development at the moment. It just doesn't add up. The uh -huh. left hand and the right hand, they're just not working together. And it doesn't make sense. And these plans were made before COVID. And I yeah. think a lot of our sensibilities have shifted during mm -hmm. COVID. People love open outdoor spaces. They love getting out and being away from other people and away from crowded places. So the last thing you want to get rid of is open, beautiful spaces and yeah. encourage people to be indoors, which is the new plan, right? Well, part of it, you know, they say... There's a lot of sort of greenwashy stuff. They're going to make it a bustling green sports center. But actually what is involved, that they're going to be closing down some facilities that are at the moment have been um, there for 
people to use like um, oh there's a batting center i think there was another tennis club and what's going to remain are going to be more expensive options where there will be profit in running these new facilities so you know they never did consultation right at the beginning and a lot of what they're saying they're talking about um oh there's going to be better access and um for um you know it's a big thing people can't argue against this access but one of the guys in living in the area said look at this stadium the baseball stadium they've had big they've had wheelchair access for ages you know that they, they're just not telling the truth this is one i feel it really strongly that there is not enough consultation if you make a plan for an area the first thing you should be doing is going and talking to the people there right they know the area and yeah. it's the the stakeholders lives. that's that's round yeah. one that's uh sustainability 101 we are yeah. all striving in japan to reach those sdg goals like oh. you said tokyo has big targets everyone's wearing the badges um, let's let's put our money where our mouth is, right? <laughs> Absolutely, really. So you know they they do talk about it. One thing that really concerns me when we met people in the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Office, they were kind of they were defending the plan as if they were the developers. They're standing on the side of the developers. They should be in the middle. They should be in the middle between the people and the developers, and that we certainly didn't have that impression. So that's troubling. You know, there, there's definitely um, a lack of um, consultation with people who are affected. Yeah. And they well, could, let's, they I, I had a look at the uh, change.org page today, mm -hmm. uh, getting uh, people to sign up. And uh, I'll put the QR code here. I'll put the link as well. If you put your phone up to the screen right now, you should be able to link to the campaign. Please sign it and mm -hmm. add your voice uh, mm -hmm. to stopping this unnecessary redevelopment of this beautiful area but you at the moment you have a hundred and eleven thousand almost a hundred and twelve thousand mm -hmm. uh, people have signed up but the target is a hundred fifty thousand is that right so we need people to we need people to sign it we also need people to share it really widely you can see it's in there english french chinese and german and the um jj there are two other appeals that are also really important because a lot of people don't necessarily have that much interest in trees and the environment but from the sports angle these are two very historical stadiums um you know built a long time ago um and when the whole thing was developed it was in, in to commemorate to commemorate um the meiji emperor and um the stadium the the baseball stadium is where um babe ruth has has um played and uh, so there is now three appeals the rugby stadium which is a dreadful plan it is so bad they're going to cover it over they're going to use false grass 
and the, the scene will be much less. So the people who know that place and who love it are really also upset. So those two appeals are, they've only been up for a short time, but they're getting up to about 10,000. Do you, you have the links for those if you put it um, in the private chat? And then I can share them with the public. Let me see if I do that. Watching. Put it in the chat. Okay, I'll bring them up. Um, the rugby appeal. Here we go. It grew very quickly, and both of them, both of these appeals, have been spearheaded by well-known people in in that field. So, um, yeah, here's one. No. You have to give me a minute here. Where yep. do I put it? Is it change.org? Yes, it's change.org. Ah, uh, okay. I can't see where to add it. Rochelle says she has the links. She'll add them. Thanks, Rochelle. And we'll, of course, add them okay. later. We'll make sure we have all the links later. Oh, great. Yes, that's super. Yeah. yeah, because it's not just the one. Please, everybody, take them all. Spread them far and wide and, you know, um, make sure that more and more people hear about them because now the the cynic would say is mm -hmm. really signing your name is really having names on a petition is it going to change anything what would mm -hmm. you say to that i would say if there's nothing else you can do why not do that you know is it better just to sit and be cynical i mean and I see Melody being cynical there, and I totally agree <laughs> with what she's saying. Of course, we, you have to wonder where is the money going? What's been happening to make this happen with so much secrecy um, and ignoring the appeals? Because, you know, JJ, there is this committee called ICOMOS, which is a, a highly renowned body of, of academics who are involved with the World Heritage Program and who are scientists. And they have spoken out against us continuously and they're still speaking out. And honestly, their voices are being ignored. There was a, a very suddenly convened um, environmental assessment committee and one of the people on that committee has a connection with ECOMOS and honestly, they, they just ignored what she said. She spoke very, very powerfully and passionately. And at the end of the meeting, it was, okay, the meeting's over now. And so there are big issues. Yes, there's a comment from uh, from Rochelle. It does make a difference. Yeah. Yes. And the press are finally paying attention. I think we feel, we feel that um, the television media has not done as much as they could. Um, even NHK recently had a program about the recent um, construction all over Tokyo, recent, and they were very, very sort of light on the problematic areas. They gave it a bit of lip service, but basically they were saying, oh, isn't this exciting? And you really have to question that. They're not well, I, I think one of the, the big drivers can be the opinions of the tourists. Like you you were yeah. talking with, with right. visitors. And when the visitors are saying, I came here because of the trees, I, I made my way to this yeah. part of Tokyo to enjoy this beautiful area because of the trees, that 
should be enough of a reason to put the brakes on, right? Oh, yes. Um, there's one that really talked to me. She said, um, yeah, we, are, we feel so sad that the thought that if we might come again, that we wouldn't be able to see this beautiful site. Now, they say they're going to pre preserve this avenue of trees, but also that is in great danger. First of all, the um, stadium that will be brought much closer to it, only eight, eight meters distance, is quite likely to cut a lot of the sunlight on the left side. Where the, that Shake Shack cafe is now, um, in that area, there's going to be, oh, do you have this flyer? Can you, this one. Somebody, they have created a beautiful flyer showing how the left side will be sort of covered in, in gloom. And one issue is the lack of sunlight, which will affect the trees. And then the other one is the roots because the building, uh, the construction work will be coming much closer and will affect the roots. Now, right now, I was there yesterday with a friend and we were watching because they're doing a survey of the roots and they're digging down. And it's, it's a little horrifying, not a little, it's really horrifying that, um, you know, when they're digging down to find out how far the roots go, they're probably causing, almost definitely causing damage. So even the basic avenue, which they say they're going to preserve, is quite likely to suffer in this way. And um, that's a huge concern. So in the end, the thing that appeals to the tourists might just not be there anymore. Yeah. Um, what a shame. I mean, that would be a tragedy. Now, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your work with Amnesty International as well. Um, mm -hmm. But one of one of the things that reminded me of, of this, and I saw your group out in these cute T-shirts, save Jingu Gayan as you campaign and talk to people out there. And that's one of the things I heard you talking about in an interview about Amnesty International is you're doing good things. You're doing good things with other people, but you're also having fun and oh, enjoying it, right? Listen, I have met, and I have met some of the most wonderful people. A lot of Japanese people don't show much interest in these kind of topics, um, you know. And there's one thing that I found. When I was campaigning and getting the, the comments from the Japanese tourists, I was also sharing uh, an appeal that was going to Shinjuku and talking to Japanese people in the avenue as I was doing the other one, I'd ask them to write down their name and address to um, send their opinion to Shinjuku Ward to say that they don't agree with the plan. And so many people were, oh, I can't put my address there. Oh, what's gonna happen to this? Is something, you know, people have this huge nervousness about, letting their name and address be written down. It's private information. And um, it's it's really sad. But the people who are campaigning are just the most wonderful bunch of people. So we all went up to, um, we went up on the 11th, a group of nine of us, we went up to take our appeal letters for uh, the governor, for Koike. And uh, we went all over talking to different people and submitting the letters 
and yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, sure, of course. When you're doing this kind of activity, you know, you're you're doing something with people that have the same values, and it it's great fun, really. I that was me up there for like ten days in the best weather in the autumn. And going up and down, I mean, it's just such an amazing place to be with the sunshine and the wonderful trees and all the people having a great time just taking pictures and, you know, it was, it was super. So oh, I, I just want that. It looks cool. like a, a great place. I have to make my way there uh, yeah. next time I'm in Tokyo for sure. Uh, but, Melody says, uh, it's a powerful point about tourism. Will you be writing this up in Japanese? So is the information also in Japanese? Oh, yeah. So on the, when was it now? On the 12th, um, Rochelle and I did um, a press conference in the, in the Tocho office again, in the Metropolitan Office, in Japanese. So she, she gave the, the basic sort of lowdown, and I talked about the messages in from the tourists and yes yeah, several newspapers are picking it up and this also has to go to tourism um agencies and to the um the local governments this this involves shinjuku and the main one is minato ward and even a little bit of shibuya so there's a lot of people we need to tell the jingu um Meiji Jingu, who are the basic landowners in the area, need to talk to them some more. Because people are saying to them, they're doing this because they're they're running short of money. And this is also COVID-related, that they have lost out on all the people visiting and paying their donations, you know, doing them clapping their hands and throwing Ichimai Yen in, in the box. They've been losing out. And instead of having a sort of brainstorming for other ways, they've kind of been persuaded to go along with this. But it may not be the best way. And there are other great things that they could do to you know, solve their financial problems. So yes, there's going to be a lot um, more in Japanese, but I just hope that television channels will cover it more because there hasn't been enough on that. And you have to feel that, I mean, it's pretty clear that there are commercial interests there. So TV channels are sometimes very, very careful about what kind of issues they report on because, you know, there are sponsors that um, don't want them to do certain things. So it's an issue. It's it's difficult. I'm I'm sure for media companies, there's a lot of uh, interested parties that they don't want to rub the wrong way. But also, you want you want <laughs> the reporting what's best for the community, what's best for our, all of our future. Uh, you mm -hmm. hope that the media can see the the value of reporting both sides. Um, I just want to point out some of the great photos that uh, Rochelle sent me. So oh, yes. the trees are gorgeous. A lot mm -hmm. of them are over a hundred years old. Uh, people mm -hmm. go to this area for weddings uh, to get their wedding photos done, special photos. I was going through on Google. I saw people with their newborn babies, people wearing kimono. This is a really, people taking their new cars for photo opportunities. Uh, this is just such a attractive, beautiful, area it's it is. just hard, and you, hard to imagine anyone wanting to give, get rid of it 
And going back to the tourism, you can hardly find a tourist guide that doesn't mention it. In the autumn, this is, you know, the main attraction kind of thing. And to put that at risk is just so short-sighted. And it is really in great danger. So what, one of the things that some of the people said is, look, we have enough we have enough shopping centers. All over Tokyo, there are lots of shopping centers. Um, we don't need more, but this is one of the plans. And you have to wonder about the Japanese economy, the way things are with, um, you know, with um, the population falling and things being quite difficult. Um, you know, okay, putting up a building, putting up a new, shopping center is not necessarily going to actually be economically very viable. So, you know, let's just put a pause on this and think about it. So our appeals to um, the governor have been just stop and do some more consultation before you go ahead with this. And it is a challenge. Every Everybody involved knows this is a huge challenge, but we're not giving up really. There's such a big crowd of people working on it and talking to politicians. There are politicians in the national diet who are concerned. Um, there are scientists who are concerned and architects. All kinds of people are speaking up now. So let's hope that um, you know there will be a little, a little more action, a little more sort of stronger voices. Um, we're, people are gathering this weekend on Sunday. They're, they're going to get together and sort of with some larger posters that have the two stadiums and the trees in the middle to kind of let people know. And also this, the picture I showed you there, the guy in future, this is a flyer. So it has a lot of information on the back. And given that um, people really don't know very much about it, um, this is giving a lot of information to, um, you know, to let people kind of really think about it. When I was there yesterday, we met, um, I was with a friend and we, she was talking with someone when I arrived. She just kind of grabbed hold of this guy and said, are you interested in this? And she had her iPad, so she had him signing. And he said, oh, I work in that building over there. This particular building is about 40 years old big office building and he said we've been told that our building is going to be uh, taken down for a taller building so there you go we need more profit so we've got to put in a bigger building um, but he said those plans have been delayed and delayed so you know maybe it could be stopped because it looked like a perfectly good building to me but it's just this mentality post-war you build something and then knock it down and build something else and there's money in construction. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that putting it on pause, rethinking, is it really necessary? Uh, mm. Getting people with design ideas, innovation ideas, how could mm. we incorporate the existing trees in a design that works and not mm. like the, the black wall of death that's going to block all the light, like the existing right. idea. How many uh, developments have I seen in Japan and around the world 
where obviously the designer never saw the location. Mm. It was just a design chosen for exactly. any flat location. But right. if you take into consideration the existing location, how can we make the most of that borrowed view, which is such mm. a part of Japanese culture, Absolutely. to have that beautiful borrowed view and mm. to incorporate it into the design, that would be a real winner, I think. Sure. Uh, it's another point for the rugby stadium, because when you sit in the rugby stadium on the, on the far side, you can see the whole row of trees, and they're going to lose that as well. And also, if you go and visit the um, Olympic Stadium, it this this is the one that really got me going strongly. When they built that stadium, the Olympic Stadium, they cut down 1,500 trees. And a lot of people don't know that. Every So many of these plans. There's another one, if you read the Japan Times article, there's... Um, uh, an aquarium kind of development down in um, down in the you know around the um, the bay of Tokyo, and hey, that's going to cut down some trees as well. You had the same thing in Nagoya. Um, I think you've had that in Hiroshima. When these developments are planned, there's always losing trees involved, and that is so disturbing people need a little bit more education on the, the the function of trees in terms of co2 absorbing co2 apart from the shade and just cutting them down um it's pretty upsetting did you and, know that and it's also complain? it's quality of life right Absolutely. it's it's stress relief which a lot of people have a lot of stress right now if you take away the outdoor beautiful spaces where mm. people can go outside and de-stress after a hard day or all the stress of dealing with COVID and having to go to work and having less money, right? These mm. you can't you can't devalue all the uh, benefits of being in these beautiful natural places. When you talk and, about value, I also think, you know, the value for the developers is always monetary. And the value for people is a very different thing. The very last comment in those um, comments from the tourist, um, he said the desirability of the area around Jingugayan rests with nature, not to mention mental health, mental well-being as well. Of course, um, and it's going to take them about 15 years to build it. There's going to be the dust and the mess. And of course, any kind of construction immediately causes CO2 emissions to rise. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. We need to keep it as as much as possible as it is, um, and not, you know, sort of casually think that oh, we're going to have a few more nice cafes, or we'll have a famous restaurant there, or you know, there's going to be another Starbucks. <laughs> People just don't need those things. I yeah, think I, I get the idea. Sometimes uh, the developers and the planners are thinking, 
uh, just make everything over in clean concrete. That is the the clean and the modern. That yeah. is progress. Mm -hmm. Get a, get rid of all the dirt. Get rid of all the leaves that we have to sweep up. Uh, let's just make it all clean. Yeah. But you're creating so many problems. I, I was at a, a very beautiful park in Hiroshima today, uh, Senda Koen, and they have designed that park so beautifully to have a running, walking track around, to have mm -hmm. rolling hills, to have beautiful trees everywhere, slides for the kids. But it is so beautifully incorporated in nature and, and use, the way mm -hmm. people want to use it. Right. Who is the developer? I want to thank them so much Where because is it's so rare to find a park like that, right? Whereabouts is this? Uh, this is uh, toward between Hiroshima City. Uh, it's about two kilometers away from the epicenter. I was uh, doing a live tour looking at some of the A-bombed trees that are around mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just so impressive. But you know, so many of the newer parks are just flat concrete slabs where mm -hmm. trees used to be or gardens used to be uh, to make it clean. And yeah, yeah seems to be an odd right, trend. There's this feeling that earth is dirt <sighs> and having nice paved walkways is, is somehow better. There is an area at the end of the avenue that they say they're not going to um, affect and that does have you know areas that you can walk among the trees but a lot of the trees 600 odd trees is a huge number so yeah you're right i i'm interested that in the in the the a-bomb trees did some of them survive Oh, it's amazing. Uh, a wonderful organization started by UNITAR, so the United Nations office here in Hiroshima, and they started a Green Legacy Hiroshima project. I had the chance to talk with the director who was the co-founder, and they collect the seeds from these trees and send them to war-torn nations around the world, mm -hmm. uh, gardens and education facilities to spread that hope for peace. But yeah. also they have created maps and they have plaques on all the trees um, to say exactly what kind of tree it is, how far it was from the epicenter. And uh, they just give you so much hope. And they're such an important part of the mm -hmm. Hiroshima story because when they started to regrow, they gave the people of Hiroshima so much hope that mm -hmm. they too can recover. And it's mm -hmm. just a, a beautiful way to connect peace and nature, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think and you see that in, in Fukushima as well, that when people see that nature is, is asserting itself again, they feel, okay, um, we, can, we can do the same thing. Absolutely. That's yeah. such a big. Let's uh, switch gears just for a little bit. Talk about uh, Amnesty International and um, the work work you've been doing. You said you were uh, with Amnesty International Japan for about 10 years. Yeah. I, when I finished working full time, I had more time to do other things. And I was already aware of them. And uh, so I started to join meetings. And um, the guy who was was coordinating that was an English-speaking group in Tokyo. He moved out of Tokyo. So I'm kind of holding um, 
I'm holding it in the moment until somebody younger can take over. But I've been around for a while. So we've, you know, we've done a lot of things. We've had all kinds of events and meetings and pub quizzes and fundraising and taking part in Pride Days. And uh, it's really nice in Tokyo to have something where people who feel they want to be part of something but are not speaking Japanese yet, um, they can come along. So we're getting newly arrived teachers. And it's a very fluid kind of um, group because people do come and go in Tokyo. There are English speaking groups also. If I can, I think there used to be one in Hiroshima. I don't think they, they're active at the moment. There's one in Nagoya, one in Osaka, and one in Kamakura. And um, ours is one where it's not a local community, although it started off that way. It started off being um, around somebody's kitchen table. And it went through um, various kind of um, stages. So at the moment, we've just started having meetings again after COVID. So during COVID, we did some things online about the death penalty, talking about women's issues. And um, uh, we did a piece about um, people in uh, people supporting people in Syria coming back from uh, prison, helping them to reestablish their life. Um, and oh yes, we had a wonderful piece. There is a group in Sofia University, wonderful student group that supports asylum seekers. And if you ever, they, they are absolutely excellent and um, they're doing all kinds of support things. So they came online and did a really good presentation. So yeah, we, we have monthly meetings now and uh, we're keeping the show going. And you're mostly focused on writing letters and, and talking about things outside of Japan, or do you also focus on issues, human rights issues in Japan? Well, actually, our thing at the moment, because we've got some new people joining us, is to, we always do the letter writing, because that's the sort of basic thing that Amnesty does, and that is always focused on other countries. Although some local groups are doing a lot of uh, campaigning about the death penalty here. It's a big issue. Um, and this is about to have its annual general meeting. And I think in the coming year, the death penalty and also the um, immigration, the rules around um, asylum seekers and refugees, those are about to be changed. And there's a lot of concern because basically they're going to make it harder for people to come and easier to send them away. And when you look at Japan's record in terms of accepting people, it really is very um, disturbing, it's pathetic. So um, that's going to be a big focus in the coming year. You, there've been all these cases like um, the woman from Sri Lanka, really just total lack of care, lack of medical resources and um, I heard one story of a man from Cameroon. It's very, very sad to hear this, but this man was in, imprisoned, as you might say, in the um, detention center in Iparaki. And he had a friend also from Cameroon who made the decision to go to Germany. The man from Cameroon for going to Germany 
was given language training, a place to stay, work training, help to find a job, and now he's established. And this poor man in 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 Tokyo is just in in limbo. He can't work. They don't let them work. So yeah, there is a huge issue that has to be somehow dealt with. Japan is not meeting its its international agreements. You sign up for these agreements and then just ignore them. So it's it's definitely something that needs to be changed. Yes. And with the declining population and <laughs> the lack of a labor force, well, exactly. uh, <laughs> why why not welcome more wonderful immigrants into this country, at least uh, asylum seekers and refugees who really need our help mm. um, all around the world. And Japan is one of the, it just takes the fewest of mm. any of the G7, right? With the G7 coming yeah. up, it's, they they argue that they give more money. They certainly do support UNHCR with more money, but they could. There are lots of these people who they they want to work. They have work, and if they find them working, they arrest them and put them back in again. It's illogical, but they I understand it. They feel that if it's known that people are being accepted, that more and more will come, and they won't be able to cope which is what's happening in the UK and in Australia, but they need to really sit down and work out something that will give people a chance because so many people now um, are in a situation where they, if they don't leave their country, they, there's no hope for them. And we're going to have more environmental refugees. That's going to definitely be increasing. So, hey, we got far away from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go back to the trees. But I, I think it is it is human rights and environmental rights are so interconnected. And these these fights to save public spaces and the trees, they're very connected to other human rights issues you cover with Amnesty, right? Oh, no, Amnesty in its policies um, has environmental issues front and center again, which was a, a change. And um, now they're really, you know, taking that on board. So yeah, this is this whole issue. It's not only Jingu. I would hope that anybody listening would look around their local area and see just what's happening in the same way. But this is about privatization and I'm from the UK and that's been a huge issue in, in my country that um, the government is just handing things over and with our rail service, with our washer supply, it's never been good because then when it's privatized, we have to find profit for the, um, for the shareholders and it doesn't serve the people. There are some things that should not be privatized. But, but then if they go bankrupt, somehow the taxpayers will bail them out. This um, happens in America. This happens in Japan. Yeah, yeah, it's I know these these issues are not easy to solve, but we, we have lots of case studies around the world where the shift to privatization has been a disaster. Absolutely. So, uh, so let's let's mention about the tree campaign again, the Jingu Gaian. Is there a deadline 
for um, getting this, the petitions and the names? I would just say as soon ASAP. Um, really, this whole thing could move forward quite soon. Um, it could be, uh, according to the original plan, that in the spring they will start to cut down some of the trees in one area, which is a historic little park where some uh, documents have been um, shared. Are, they're stored in a sort of traditional looking building. Oh, wow, that is so gorgeous. And uh, really, we need those signatures as soon as possible. Um, so please, um, everybody watching this, copy and paste and send them and put your name there and please support because this is something really important. It's not only for Tokyo, it's something for the whole of Japan. It's a heritage of this country. And as one of the people said, this is also for the whole world. This is a, a really wonderful place that should be pre preserved for future generations. Do you, do you have any events coming up? Are you going to try to talk to local policymakers or have oh, like a, a, a hearing or is there a press conference or anything coming up? Well, you... You know, Rochelle has been really busy on that. There was a press conference today um, by uh, a Japanese member, I think member of the Environmental Assessment Committee, who was kind of sidelined. And I think there will be um, many, many efforts to talk to national politicians, local politicians, directly talking to Tokyo, although they're not very open to discussion. Um, so far, the governor has not been willing to even discuss the Jingogayan issue, which is really, you know, problematic. She should be, you know, she's she's in a re, in a position of responsibility to take care of something that is a public a public commons, and uh, she should be talking about it. So. There, there is something this Sunday. I think there's going to be a lot more of handing out flyers to people, uh, trying to get more people. Um, oh, there you go. There's Rochelle talking. Professor Harushina, he wasn't on the committee, but he, a lot of these environmental experts are all speaking out. And the thing is, they have a better plan, which would cost less money and would not involve um getting rid of any of the trees. So that needs to be um, pushed a little more. And the, the main thing here is to put on the brakes. Just say, take a pause. Let's look at all the issues here and let's see if um, you can, you know, really find some middle ground. It's probably not going to be stopped completely. It would be great if it was. But certainly, um, yes, um, the um, the thing will be going on. There you go, on Sunday. Yeah, Rochelle just said, on Sunday, we're having a small demonstration in the park. Meet at the Ginkgo Trees at 1230. So you guys will have your green t-shirts on, so easy <laughs> to find. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> and the friend that I was with, who's kind of does stuff on her own, she said, look, we can just go there any day. Just go there and, you know, if you have your iPad or something or with the QR codes, just have people take them down and share them and uh, continue like that.
Let me so put the QR go. code up there just one more time. And of course, uh, when you go to Jingu Gayan, anybody listening, whether you join this campaign or not, uh, if you share your photos on social media, and you can use the hashtag save Jingu Gayan or save Tokyo's trees or uh, just share it and talk about how amazing the trees are that you see all over Japan. And I think that that can help add positive pressure in that way too. Uh, you see more appreciation of these things online, which has a lot of power these days in decision making at the top, right? I'm certainly hoping that the voices of the foreign tourists, I mean, we did this for oh, about a three week period um, and we got 120 people, we aimed for 100. And it's pretty clear from that kind of small sample that this is something that foreign tourists really care about. So we're hoping that this will have some effect as we share it with all these, you know, officials and agencies and government offices. So thank you for, you know, for focusing on this, JJ. I mean, of course. Really of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the trees anywhere and everywhere. Um, we have very special trees in Hiroshima, not mm -hmm. only the A-bomb survivor trees, but we, we also had so many trees and plants that were donated after the war to help uh, rebuild the city. And I think that's also very beautiful and very special. Uh, you have these trees and plants from all over Japan, all over the world that were sent here. So mm -hmm. it's a big historical legacy as well as just beautiful and wonderful to enjoy. Yeah, I was talking with someone about tree hugging and I thought, okay, probably as a non, um, you know, non-citizen, that's not a good idea. That's the kind of thing that could get you um, kicked off. But I wish, I wish there were some Japanese people brave enough to go, you know, tr hug the trees, you know, don't let them. <laughs> But they would be removed. This is not a country where that can happen easily. But we need well, to yeah, yeah. The, you can temporarily hug the tree. Just don't chain yourself or, mm. or get in too much trouble. But uh, definitely, <laughs> I like to, when I see beautiful old trees, I like to touch them just gently. Mm. Because you, you do feel the power of the tree. They're power spots, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, thank you so much, Marianne. Thanks for joining. And thanks for all your work campaigning for the trees, campaigning for the people. I love it. Thank you for helping us spread the message. Really appreciate it. Of course. It. Okay. Thank you again so much, Marianne. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Take thank care. You. Bye. Bye. Some of our paths may diverge over the years. All of you left certain mark on me don't ever change I love you just the way you are so we're a little strange it's all working out so far Change, I love you 
just the way you are. 